Hello from the East Coast to the West Coast and to listeners around the world. Welcome to the Truth Seekers radio show. I'm your host, Angeline Marie. Thanks for taking the time to join us. We're broadcasting on Liberty Works Radio Network at libertyworksradionetwork.com or you can hear our program rebroadcast on Red State Talk Radio at redstatetalkradio.com and you can check their website for broadcast days and times. Also, don't forget you can learn more about our show and find podcasts posted at truthseekersradioshow.com. We have a good show today. My guest is Dan Johnson. He's the president and founder of Panda, People Against the NDAA, and has since become the largest anti-NDAA organization in America, introducing and pushing over 18 pieces of state and numerous pieces of local anti-NDAA legislation. As a grassroots, nonpartisan, nonviolent organization, PANDA is supported by groups across the political spectrum united to prevent the laws of war from being used in the United States and on American citizens anywhere in the world. Dan is also a 20-year-old nationally renowned speaker and writer. He's written for several publications, including the Huffington Post, Policy Mike, Occupy.com, and Western Journalism. And he's spoken at several conventions and other events and has been interviewed on numerous radio shows that include Coast to Coast AM, Liberty Roundtable, and Red Ice Radio. So if you'll help me, welcome Dan Johnson. How are you doing today, Dan? I'm doing well. Yourself? Good. And listen, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today about this uh, important information. Now, Dan, before we get started, first of all, of course, I would like you to explain a little bit about just what is Panda. And then I think we should segue right into then what is the NDAA? Because maybe not everybody is up on this. So let's just start there, if you don't mind. Sure, absolutely. Um, thank you again very much for having me on the program. And uh, let's jump right into a little bit of what the NDAA is, and then I can go into explaining what Panda is. The NDAA, or National Defense Authorization Act, is typically a military funding bill. However, after 9-11, it became much more. It became much more dangerous. It became a haystack to start throwing needles into. And in the 2007 NDAA, there was a provision inserted in there that would allow the military to operate on U.S. soil, only on U.S. soil, a certain unit of the military, and for political disobedience and crowd control purposes. Now, if anyone's seen the movie The Siege or anyone knows anything about giving the military control over any part of American soil, it does not end up well. And that was a very dangerous provision added. But that was repealed in 2009. In the 2008 NDAA, um, they included the Council of Governors. And this council, one of their goals to figure out how to use the U.S. military domestically. So this kind of all leads up to the 2012 NDAA. 2012 NDAA sections 10.2.1 and 10.2.2. In terms of provisions of the Constitution they violate, is the most dangerous law in United States history. It violates 14 provisions of the U.S. Constitution alone, and approximately six of amendments to, to the Constitution, six parts of the Bill of Rights. Um, 
it allows the military to detain without charge, without trial, without a lawyer, access to an attorney, access to let let your family know you've been taken. Any person merely suspected of terrorism, whether that is someone that the government considers a terrorist now, considers a terrorist later, considered a terrorist 30 years ago, provides no evidence whatsoever and can pick someone up and take them to Guantanamo Bay and jail them indefinitely. Uh, It also allows for the execution of American citizens without charge or trial and uh, the torture or rendition, rendition being taken off to a foreign country of uh, any person, including an American citizen, without charge or trial. And finally, the application of the laws of war and the locking down of cities under military rule or what's commonly known as martial law, also allowable under the 2012 NDAA. And uh, Panda, uh, I heard about the 2012 NDAA back in fall 2011 when it was being debated in the U.S. Senate. I remember watching a video called 63 Senators Betrayed You Today. I thought, well, that's interesting. 63 Senators Betrayed Me? What do you mean by that? And what I found was stunning. Uh, They introduced me to the concept of the 2012 NDAA and having grown up homeschooled and grown up uh, looking and studying the rise and fall of the Third Reich, I'm very familiar with the different acts in Germany. And if you take the Reichstag Fire Decree, which was also known as the Decree for the Protection of People in the State of the Third Reich, passed in 1933, you know, Nazi Germany didn't come over, out about overnight. You take the Reichstag Fire Decree, you take the provisions of the original German constitution that it violated, And then you take the 2012 NDA and take the provisions of the Constitution that violated, add that to the Patriot Act. And uh, the provisions violated are not similar. They're identical. When I saw that, we now have the same legal framework as Nazi Germany did two years before it started going to war with people, uh, I realized something had to be done. So... I picked my brain up off the floor and uh, put it back together and, and looked at this NDA a little closer over the next uh, month and a half when the president signed the law into uh, effect on December 31st, 2011. I decided I couldn't watch. I couldn't watch. I could not sit by and watch it happen because uh, no one in the next generation deserved this, and I don't want my children, my children's children, to grow up in a world that is where the military has control over policing duties in the country, and then the military can pick someone up and send them off to a military prison. And so uh, I founded Panda January 29th, 2012, and we went down to our local city council as our first action, had a uh, group of Occupy, uh, Young Republicans, and Young Americans for Liberty all there to speak out against the NDAA, and my mayor flat out told me, quote, these students don't understand government, they need to take government 160. They don't understand the inner workings of our national government, and it's up to us, in some respects, to educate them. That was insane. And I didn't really uh, really see that happening. Um, It was really surprised to me that they would reject us wholeheartedly on an issue that I thought was so fundamental to American liberty. We don't allow the military to operate on U.S. soil. And uh, it turns out that was not the case. So we eventually launched Panda nationwide in April 2012. 
and uh, during 2013, we had Operation Homeland Liberty. We introduced about, as you mentioned, 18 pieces of state legislation, uh, which three eventually got signed by the governors of those states. And uh, those uh, bills that were signed by the governors were nowhere near effective. They, they did nothing to protect the rights of the people. So we went to a local level. In October 2013, we launched the Take Back campaign. October 7th, 2013, first city in the nation, Albany, New York, defeats the NDAA in a vote of 11 to 0. Capital of New York is then followed by two cities in Massachusetts, one city in Idaho, and today we have over 60 cities and counties that are considering legislation to completely ban the laws of war from being applied in their city. Say their city is not a battlefield, refuse to allow the NDAA to be utilized in their city or county. Okay. Well, listen, we're closing in on our first break, so I'll just go ahead and say when we come back, I'd like you to talk to the listeners and let's go into specifics like just how would this affect an average, you know, American on a day-to-day because I don't think the American people are getting this information from any of the mainstream media and that's why I thought it was so important to have you on here to talk about your work and what your organization is doing. We're going to take our first break. Listeners, today our guest is Dan Johnson, president and founder of People Against the NDA, NDAA Panda, and we're discussing the National Defense Authorization Act and why the American people should be concerned about it. And we'll be back momentarily on the True Seekers radio show. Thousands of years, people from the Brazilian rainforest have used the Asahi berry for its amazing health benefits. Now we've learned it's also an amazing weight loss supplement. If you're looking to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds or more, then the Ultimate Asahi Diet may be your solution. The Ultimate Asahi Diet is loaded with pure organic Asahi extract powder and other great herbs like hudia and green tea. You'll burn fat, control your appetite, and get an energy surge like you've never felt before. If you want to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds, order the Ultimate Asahi Diet right now. We'll even give you a free bottle when you order two, plus give you free shipping. Call 800-430-4147. 800-430-4147. 800-430-4147. $300 discount applied to regular price for orders above $2,000. May not be combined with other offers. Valid through 1231.13. Details at empiretoday.com slash 300 radio. Muddy hippos. Lion claw marks and stampedes of wildebeests. No, we're not in Africa. It's the years of damage done to your floors by the people and pets in your life. Now's the time to clean up the jungle with Empire Today's radio-only $300 off special. Get carpet, hardwood, laminate, ceramic, or vinyl floors installed from Empire for over $2,000 and get $300 off. Lock in your $300 off by calling this special number now, 855-586-1559. Life can be a jungle for your floors, but $300 off new brand new 
name carpet, hardwood, laminate, ceramic, and vinyl from Empire Today will make your home seem new again. Call 855-586-1559 now for Empire's radio-only $300 offer. That's 855-586-1559. Welcome back. You're listening to the True Seekers radio show. Today, our guest is Dan Johnson. He's a president and founder of Panda People Against the NDAA. And we're discussing the NDAA and why Americans should be concerned about it. So, Dan, when you were telling us about the power of the NDAA, the first thing that jumped in my mind was, hey, isn't that what the Patriot Act was all about after 9-11? So... When you're telling people these powers that the NDAA has, I'm sure a lot of time, I I know just when I talk about the types of guests I have on and I tell my friends and family the things that are going on, they say, oh, that would never happen in America. So when you get that kind of reaction, because I'm sure you do, they look at you like you're crazy. What kind of, um, you know, what do you tell them? Because how I think because it hasn't happened to them yet or and it does happen to people just that the mainstream media doesn't report about it. So how does it affect the average guy going about his daily business, you know, his job, his family and whatnot? How how do you get their attention? Well, it's it's kind of interesting. Um, Wherever. We generally help uh, citizens uh, try to take back their cities, or we generally try to educate people. We don't get called crazy. And the reason we don't get called crazy is because in 1942, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt detained 120,000 Japanese Americans without charge and without trial in arguably the greatest civil rights disaster in U.S. history. That is pure precedent. And we're using the exact same authority that was given Executive Order 9066. We're now applying that with the 2012 NDAA. Mm-hmm. And remember that when FDR detained those Japanese Americans, Fred Korematsu sued and said, hey, you can't detain me. That's, that's wrong. This is against the Constitution. The Supreme Court agreed that FDR could do that. And eventually the Supreme Court and the Senate apologized and paid reparations and such. But nonetheless, this is something that's already happened in American history, something that has already ruined thousands and thousands of lives. And uh, when one looks at this, and you know, how does this affect you? Well, first of all, consider who the government now thinks are terrorists. Many people are not familiar with the name Cameron D'Ambrosio, an 18-year-old high school student in Methuen, Massachusetts, who was rapping about the Boston bombing shortly afterwards. Um, now, is it probably not the smartest thing to do to rap about a national tragedy shortly after it happens? Yeah, probably not. Does it deserve 20 years in prison? No. But that is exactly what they were charging him with. They were charging him with making a bomb threat, which could land, which would could have landed him 20 years in prison. That's the 18 high school student. That's who they're considering a terrorist. Think about a Texas teen 
in Austin named Justin Carter. He was uh, chatting back and forth after playing uh, an online game with some friends, and somebody called him insane. So he responds back with, yeah, I'm totally insane. I'm going to go shoot up a school and eat all the kids still beating hearts. Obviously, that's sarcasm, and most people can tell that. However, some people couldn't. He was arrested. He was charged with making a terroristic threat, and he was convicted. Uh, and he spent, uh, he was going to spend about 10 years in a Texas prison. 10 years for a Facebook comment. Mm-hmm. This is who they're considering terrorists. An official government document called the Department of Homeland Security Start Report commissioned 31 days after the 2012 NDAA was signed into law. It says, quote, those who are reverent of individual liberty, suspicious of centralized federal authority, and believe in conspiracy theories that involve grave threat to national sovereignty and or personal liberty, close quote, are possible terrorists. A report from the West Point Counterterrorism Center lists, quote, anti-federalists, end quote, as terrorists. Anti-federalists. Now, you know, you don't see that term tossed around. You know, there's not an anti-federalist coffee party tomorrow. There's not an anti-federalist club down the street. Anti-Federalists are the people who wrote the Bill of Rights and had it inserted in the Constitution. And when our own government says, look, anti-Federalists are possible terrorists, it's very obvious that they are switching from what many people believe is a terrorist, which is someone who goes and blows up a building, to uh, average, average, everyday Americans and anyone they want to target under the designation of terrorists. And the reason they can do this is because, as Americans... We have attributed the term terrorist to mean guilty until proven innocent. And the government is taking advantage of that term with the 2012 NDAA. It says, look, if you even commit a belligerent act, you could be locked up as a, as a possible terrorist. And what about uh, if you look at the drug war, you look at the raids by SWAT teams, the, the numerous wrong door raids by SWAT teams. So what if uh, their actual suspect is the person next door to you, but uh, on a wrong door raid, they pick you up and send you to Guantanamo Bay instead? What if that happens? Government's not going to admit their mistake. Mm -hmm. They're going to keep you locked up because they don't want anyone to know they're using this law. In fact, when when Judge Forrest in 4th District Court of New York asked them specifically, are you using the NDAA on American soil? In violation of my injunction, they refuse to answer a question. This is not only something that is very real. It's something that has historical precedent. It's something that's been used continually. I mean, look at uh, anyone want to see what giving the military jurisdiction over a certain area of the country does to that part of the country. Everybody look at Watertown, Massachusetts. People dragged out of their homes at gunpoint searched, dropped off, picked up in Watertown and dropped off in the middle of another city and told to walk home, quarantine police stations. This is the type of thing that happens when the military leads, the military is given jurisdiction, executions, it's renditions, detentions, and since we've already done this once in American, so on American soil, and we currently have a leadership and we've had for the past 10, 15 years administrations that did not really 
concern themselves with the individual rights of someone called a suspected terrorist, then we have a serious problem on our hands with a government now that considers people who believe in individual liberty, possible terrorists, and now has the law to detain them in a military prison. You know, you talked about how the NDAA violates um, six of the amendments, and you just gave several examples of people that were put away just for things that they said. So let's just talk about freedom of speech. Now take that, and do you think that there's a possibility that this could be used to scare media, scare journalists, into sort of muzzling them to report truth that's things that are really happening but they're trying to keep concealed from the American people. How do you think the NDAA or do you think that that could be played into muzzling journalists? It not only can, it has. In Hedges v. Obama, the lawsuit brought against the NDAA, the lead plaintiff on that lawsuit is Christopher Hedges former New York Times journalist who testified that because of the 2012 NDAA, he has not written certain articles about al-Qaeda for fear of being connected to them and for fear of being considered a belligerent. So not only can this affect journalists, it already has, and while only one journalist has testified in court thus far, how many other journalists are considering is there is that article they're going to write about corruption in their local government really worth being detained for life? Um, and it, it creates a huge, in fact, Judge Forrest noted that this creates a chilling effect on First Amendment rights. And uh, even beyond, if, if the government never detains anyone, that you bring up a great point. It's very dangerous for journalists because that fear is now there. And, and every time they go to write an article that they think the government might heavily disapprove of, they now have in the back of their mind... Uh, well, I might be detained, or I might be considered as the director of national intelligence recently just considered the journalists who were associating with Snowden, considered them accomplices. Um, they are thinking, well, is my life, is my job really worth this article, or should I go write about Miley Cyrus and the Dancing with the Stars? Mm-hmm. Or should I go write about something safe? Right. And yeah, it, it has a chilling effect a serious chilling effect on journalists, at least Chris Hedges, and and who knows how many more. Dan, from from what I read about you and some of the other research I did, I believe that you've said that this doesn't just affect the American people, that there's an international component to this act. Can you explain more about that? Sure, uh, absolutely. Um, if you look at the Authorization for Use of Military Force, 2001, the 2012 NDAA takes its authority from this authorization. Now, this authorization was passed around the same time as the Patriot Act. And as it was passed around the, uh, the same time as the Patriot Act, it was really ignored by most people. They didn't really pay much attention to it. But it's used as justification for uh, going into two wars in the Middle East, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. 
And uh, they were actually, before we were uh, planning on going into Syria, they were drafting up another authorization for use of military force for Syria. Now, the AUMF is essentially the government making laws for the entire world. The 2012 NDAA applies it to American citizens anywhere in the world. But the, but the 2001 AUMF, which it relies upon, which it gets its power from, applies to everyone but Americans, everyone but American citizens, but it applies to the entire world. You see, it's Congress just saying, we're now going to make laws for the entire world. We're now going to say we can send our military in every, anywhere we want and however we want. And if you look at the four American citizens now, at least that they've admitted, four American citizens have been killed by drone strikes in Yemen, including a 16-year-old boy. And in these drone strikes, Attorney General Eric Holder justified them under the authorization for use of military force. So while it's not 2012 NDA necessarily that has a serious international effect besides kind of limiting tourism to the United States. Um, the authorization for use of military force, which it relies on, is essentially Congress saying, yeah, we're making the law apply to everyone in the entire world, and there's nothing you can do about it. We now consider ourselves the seat of uh, world government, at least in this, in this war on terror. And that's a very dangerous place for our Congress to put itself. Okay, Dan, we're going to take our second break. Listeners, today our guest is Dan Johnson, president and founder of Panda, and we're discussing why the American people should be concerned about what's going on with the NDAA, and we'll be back momentarily on the True Seekers radio show. struggle with credit card bills every month, you're not just in debt. Debt is all around you. I see people every day that are on the brink. They're going to go over the edge, and at the bottom is bankruptcy, and we pull them back. At the Debt Helpline, we're experts at helping you resolve your debt problems and become free of debt. We can help you pay off your debt and give you one lower monthly payment that you can afford. You do get to consolidate your payments. You only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five. If you have 5000 10000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis. 800-948-6817. 800-948-6817. Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-948-6817. 800-948-6817. discount applied to regular price for orders above $2,000. May not be combined with other offers. Valid through 12-31-13. Details at empiretoday.com slash 300 radio. Muddy hippos. Lion claw marks. And stampedes of wildebeests. No, we're not in Africa. It's the years of damage done to your floors by the people and pets in your life. Now's the time to clean up the jungle with Empire Today's radio-only $300 off special. Get carpet, hardwood, laminate, ceramic, or vinyl floors installed from Empire for over $2,000 and get $300 off. Lock in your $300 off by calling this special number now, 855-586-1559. Life can be a jungle for your floors, but $300 off new brand new 
name carpet, hardwood, laminate, ceramic, and vinyl from Empire Today will make your home seem new again. Call 855-586-1559 now for Empire's radio-only $300 offer. That's 855-586-1559. Welcome back. You're listening to the Truth Seekers radio show. Today, our guest is Dan Johnson, president and founder of Panda. And Dan, would you like to give a web address or any other contact information to the listeners? Sure, absolutely. Um, If anyone wants to either learn more about the NDAA or join the NDAA resistance, the website is pandaunite.org. That's pandaunite.org. And also, we've created over time, and I might be able to go into this. We have more time later in the show. We've created over time a packet that anyone, anywhere, can download, and they have all the tools necessary now to stop the NDA in their city. This packet has taken us probably 1,000, maybe 1,500, 100 hours to put together. And uh, the goal was to create something that anyone, anywhere, no matter what their situation, what their political party, uh, what the situation of their city is, can download that packet, immediately know how to start and how to take action and how to stop the NDAA in their city. That packet is available at pandaunite.org slash takeback. That's pandaunite.org slash takeback. Okay. And Dan... As far as you know, are there any states taking any action against us at the state level? There have been uh, plenty of states, and there are plenty of states this year that are taking action at the state level. Um, The ones that we do know of currently are Colorado, um, New Hampshire, Missouri, and uh, a couple of others. We're not focusing on state-level action this year because we found the state legislatures to be like a mini Washington, D.C., just as corrupt, just as corrupt. And uh, uh, the numbers for the NDA resistance aren't there yet for the state level. If you're going to do something at the state level, you can't take this first-step approach where, oh, we're just going to get something in that's going to complain about it, and then we're going to get something in that half solves the problem. You can't take that approach because the minute you introduce and push a piece of legislation at the state level and it gets watered down, either you have to abandon that legislation or if you let it go through, all the politicians who voted for it, they want to get reelected. They're going to go out in their communities and say how great they were at defending your rights and then nothing else is going to ever take root. The passage of anti-NDA legislation in Alaska, California, and Virginia, and Michigan for that matter, besides what our work has done, has essentially killed the anti-NDAA movements uh, in those areas because uh, the people believe it's over. They believe they won. And so we've not focused on state-level action. We're focusing on the city level. And even further than that, if you think about city level and county-level action versus trying to fix something on national or state level. I'm sure you're familiar, and I'm sure your listeners are very familiar with the revolution in Egypt recently. And... Uh, What many people don't remember is that this isn't the first time. In 2011, 
Mubarak was dictator over um, Egypt, and the people rallied in the streets, massive protests, and got rid of him. Who did they get? Mohammed Morsi. And in the largest protest in history, in world history, 7, 10, 11 million people in the streets, they deposed Morsi. And who did they get? Al-Sisi, another dictator. See, they're making the mistake of going to the top of the pyramid of power and knocking off the top block. Mm-hmm. Instead of working at the bottom, you imagine government corruption as a pyramid. The top, you follow the money. You want to call it the banking cartel, you want to call it the special interests, the financiers, the lobbyists, whatever. Top, you have the money. Below that, you have the federal government, then state government, then local government. If you go to the top and knock the brick off the top, what happens? All the bricks below that just create another brick at the top. Just put their brick up there. Somebody walks up the pyramid and places a new brick on. But if instead you take brick by brick by brick by brick by brick by brick by brick out of the bottom of that pyramid, Mm -hmm. eventually you'll reach 51% and that pyramid will collapse. That's why we work at a local level versus at the state level, because we're pulling the bricks out from the bottom first. You know, if the state level wants to work on it, great. We'll help them if, if they want help. But when it comes to the local level, that's really where the lasting change is going to be. If you want lasting change, if you want to just um, hope for the best, then go to the state level, go to the national level. If you want lasting change, you go to the local level because that's the roots. And then you work your way up from the roots to the top of the tree that's how you completely fix the problem instead of just adding a band-aid or instead of adding a patch to it, which is what state-level legislation usually does and what national-level legislation definitely would do. Yeah, excellent explanation. And speaking of the local level, to your knowledge, are there any local police forces that are speaking out against this at the local level? How is it affecting the police force? Uh, it is somewhat difficult to get the police forces to speak out against it. That is step two of our strategy in any city, is to get the police force to put in writing that they will not allow that to be enforced in their community. Um, that is somewhat difficult because of the federalization of police in America, and a lot of police look to the federal government for funding, for resources, for material. And uh, as uh, Sheriff Richard Mack put it at one point, uh, called it blood money. And I tend to agree it's tying the local police to the federal government. But we have, in some cases, uh, such as Old Monroe, Missouri, we found a great reception from the uh, police officers there. In fact, the police chief there is actually uh, trying to get anti-NDA legislation passed on a local and state level uh, because he found the problem so uh, appalling. Um, so we found mixed reactions from local police, but it is a necessary step to go through is to get the local police on your side, because if you don't, you have a piece of paper and no enforcement. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what phase two, step two of the strategy is to do, is get the local police on, on our side. And uh, we found that to be a long process, but once the process is engaged, uh, little by little, we're starting to make some headway. Now, could you talk a little bit about that district court judge, Catherine Forrest, and that she ruled the NDA unconstitutional, I believe, but from what I read, it's as though they're going to ignore this and they don't have to comply with any ruling. So could you talk a little bit more about that? I know you know more about that and how it relates to what uh, the NDAA's efforts. Sure. Um, it's important to remember 
as always, that the judicial branch has neither the power of the sword nor the purse. And so it cannot and should not be able to uh, make other branches of the government comply with its rulings. However, when it does rule, uh, that ruling follows the Constitution. Other branches of the government should follow it. And what happened in this case is you have uh, a group of journalists and a member of the Parliament of Iceland um, issue a case, Hedges v. Obama, 21 days after the 2012 NDA signed the law. In May, Judge Catherine Forrest of the 4th District Court of New York hears their case against the NDAA and places a temporary injunction on its use. Cannot use the 2012 NDAA, Sections 1021, 1022, on U.S. soil. as a temporary injunction. You can't use it. Well, then the government came back and said, well, we're going to interpret your ruling to mean that we can't use it on the plaintiffs. And I've never seen a, a judge get as serious as she was. She said, to put it bluntly, I meant I'm covering the public. And so she corrected the government on that and then invited both the government and the plaintiffs to the permanent injunction hearing in August. August, she hears the arguments. In September, on September 12th, she releases her ruling that the uh, this permanent injunction against 2012 NDAA in one of the fastest appeals I have ever seen. Uh, the Justice Department appealed her ruling in 24 hours and uh, applied for a stay on the injunction, essentially saying, look, she said we can't use it, but we want to stop her ruling from going into effect from a higher court. And uh, the higher court, uh, the Second Circuit Court of Appeals, granted the stay the next week. So we're still in September, September 20th-ish. And uh, then in February 2013, the Second Circuit Court of Appeals heard the case uh, in their court. And in July 2013, they released their ruling. They ruled the plaintiffs did not have standing to challenge the 2012 NDAA. Not that the NDAA powers were constitutional. They didn't touch that. They said, you guys just don't have standing to challenge it because they hadn't been indefinitely detained yet. Uh, essentially. Well, and, that, and that's kind of a funny catch-22. You're indefinitely detained forever. How do you get to a court? You're detained <laughs> without trial. How do you get to a court? Mm -hmm. But it's a wonderful catch-22 for the government. Right. So currently her ruling has been overturned by the Second Circuit. There's a petition to the Supreme Court right now, a uh, petition for writ of certiorari uh, that the Supreme Court uh, might accept the case. And my guess is they will not. Um, they do not want to bring this case into the light. Mm -hmm. And my guess is they will not accept the case and not, not only will they not accept the case, um, but if indeed they do decide to accept the case, they will rule in favor of the government, as they have in Hamdi v. Rumsfeld, as they have in Padilla uh, v. U.S., both cases in which they ruled in favor of the authorization for use of military force, which the NDAA expands the uh, targeting profile, expands the persons that can be targeted, under it. So based on our knowledge, we've been right on Judge Forrest's uh, second ruling, we've been right on the appeals court ruling, and uh, I'm pretty sure that going up to the Supreme Court is not going to yield a victory, and that's why we're not going through the court system. Although we support the, the lawsuit idea in general, mm -hmm. we're not going through the court system to accomplish it because we don't believe that that is the way it, it should be fixed, especially with an issue so core 
to American values like the NDAA. Dan, we're going to take our last break. Listeners, today my guest is Dan Johnson, president and founder of Panda, People Against the NDAA, and we'll be back momentarily on the Truth Seekers radio show. three letters in the alphabet that strike terror in most of us. These are the three letters you need to avoid at all costs. I-R-S. If the IRS is coming after you for $15,000 or more in back taxes, you don't want to fight them alone. You need the help of the tax resolution experts at U.S. Tax Relief. They've helped thousands of people like you eliminate up to 85% of their delinquent taxes. If you qualify, U.S. Tax Relief can settle your tax debts for less than you owe, remove penalties and interest, and protect you from bank levies and garnishments. If you owe the IRS at least $15,000 in back taxes, call U.S. Tax Relief now for a free consultation and see how much money they can save you. Call 800-989-1694. For thousands of years, people from the Brazilian rainforest have used the Asahi berry for its amazing health benefits. Now we've learned it's also an amazing weight loss supplement. If you're looking to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds or more, then the Ultimate Asahi Diet may be your solution. The Ultimate Asahi Diet is loaded with pure organic Asahi extract powder and other great herbs like hoodia and green tea. You'll burn fat, control your appetite, and get an energy surge like you've never felt before. If you want to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds, order the Ultimate Asahi Diet right now. We'll even give you a free bottle when you order two, plus give you free shipping. Call 800-430-4147, 800-430-4147. Welcome back. You're listening to the True Seekers radio show. Today, my guest is Dan Johnson, president and founder of Panda, People Against the NDAA. Dan, and could you please give your web address and the information on how the listeners could get that packet again one more time? Absolutely. You can grab the packet to take back your city from the NDAA, declare your city not a battlefield, as four cities have done so already. Get that packet at pandaunite.org slash takeback, pandaunite.org slash takeback, or just Google search panda takeback to get the takeback packet. Great. Thank you. Now, Dan, what are some victories, things that you would see that are little victories by your organization against the NDAA as of late? It's important to understand that there's there's a common theme that I find in politics, along with a lot of common themes I tend to disagree with. But there's a common theme in politics that organizations are going to save the world. 
um, organizations are going to somehow save America, that it's going to be this organization or that organization or this, this group or that group. And uh, what we found over time is uh, we, especially I ran into a man named Ernest Hancock of Freedom's Phoenix out in San Diego, California. And I was telling him a little bit about Panda. Uh, at the time, we were a very centralized organization, very structured. And he's telling him a little bit about us. And so he kind of uh, looks at me. Mm-hmm. And he goes, uh, so let me get this straight. You're building a big collective to take on their collective, and collectively you're going to fight collectivism. I thought about that for a second. Mm-hmm. I went, hmm, he has a point. So in October, we completely flattened the organization, got rid of every team, got rid of every chapter. We are no longer an organization. We are a movement. And uh, the importance behind that is there's a little, there's a small organization, Pandas, maybe 15 or so uh, national staff, and uh, um, probably one uh, person designated from Panda in each state. The rest is, is the NDA resistance. The rest is the Panda movement. And looking at the movement, looking at some of the successes of the movement, they all started happening after we decentralized. And October 7th told you a little bit about Albany, New York. Um, we put all of our chips on the table with Albany, New York. It was do or die. It was we win this or no one's going to take us seriously. Mm-hmm. So, Because uh, it had been at that point a year and a half, and we hadn't had a solid victory I could point to and go, yeah, we did it. Um, so in Albany, New York, we threw all the chips on the table. We said, we're going, uh, come hell or high water. We got it on the ground team up there. And we sent two to 3,000 calls to the city council. We had 100 people in a live band show up uh, on the day of the city council vote. Now, that was fun, um, mm-hmm. having a live band to get everybody excited. And then when everybody stood up who was there for the resolution, the co-chair of city council's jaw dropped. Could not believe the amount of people that were there to pass the resolution. And... Uh, the Albany, New York, for, capital of New York, is our first victory. We moved on to uh, Oxford, Massachusetts, two days later on October 9th. On the to- October 21st, Webster, Massachusetts, and December 17th, Emmett, Idaho. Uh, this year, as people, the politicians have not quite uh, gotten their, their stuff together yet from the holidays, uh, we're expecting some victories to come around about uh, March, uh, late February, early March, and April, and May, and into the rest of the year. Uh, but we've got 60 cities in the works. I mean, this is huge. A lot of people don't understand how big of a movement this is until you compare it to any other movement against the federal law that tried to solve the problem from a local level, and you realize the movement against the NDAA is the largest in existence. So it is uh, really huge. The, the progress that has been made since we decentralized has been amazing, and the movement has really taken it from... NDAA just talked about it a little bit on some alternative radio shows and complained about it a little bit by certain organizations. Mm-hmm. But uh, over the past year and a half, we've been able to keep this issue in the spotlight, keep it front and center, and uh, ensure that it didn't. You know, every law has this kind of cool down period where the law goes into effect, and uh, then it's if especially the more tyrannical it is, goes into effect. And they wait about a year and a half or two years until they use it. We've been able to not let them drop that cooldown period. They were going to use this on Azokar Sarnev uh, in the Boston, the suspect of the Boston bombing. Mm-hmm. However, um, the we were able to keep the argument in the spotlight. We were able to keep the argument over detention and combatant status in the spotlight. And eventually, they chose not to use 
uh, military detention on this person, which would have been the first step to start using it again in the United States. And uh, that has been an amazing success of the movement. I mean, we're, we're looking really good as the largest and most effective movement against federal law on the local level since, uh, at the very least, the Civil War, if not U.S. history. Dan, can you talk a little bit more about some of the specific strategies that Panda uses? Sure. Uh, We use a strategy called pressure them into the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The the general strategy is, uh, uh, it's changed quite a bit. We've we've learned a lot in, uh, we turned, uh, our second anniversary was a couple days ago. We've learned a lot over the past couple of years. And uh, uh, the strategy we use is uh, literally just brute force. Um, Because the, one of the best pieces of advice were given to me, politicians are animals. They're not people. <laughs> and uh, uh, they may be great when they go home at night to their family. That When they take off that politician hat, they may be a wonderful person to play golf with, maybe a great person to have coffee with, maybe a great person to know. But when they put on that politician hat, they're nothing more than animals. No politician has a spine stronger than the electorate. Mm-hmm. The electorate will always, regardless of what principles, they, if they go in as a socialist, they go in as a fascist, if they go in as a liberty lover, they go in as a constitutional. does not matter. The populace and the electorate will determine their decisions once they get into office. And once we realize the power of that, that it really doesn't matter who runs. It doesn't matter who wins. It, it may make it a little easier if you get someone good in there to get things done. But it really doesn't, when you, re- when you realize it really doesn't matter who wins, it opened up a lot of possibilities and it really opened up strategy for us. So it's, it's just completely brute force. Um, it is uh, knowing what you're talking about and knowing what you're doing. It's kind of helpful in politics. It's like, it's cute. It's like the cherry on top of the Sunday. But it's not really effective. And what is effective is pressure. And that's why at all these city council meetings, all these county commission meetings, we have, you know, the, the council members get slammed with calls. The county, the county uh, commissioners get slammed with calls. We have 80, 20, 40, 100 people show up at these events, uh, at, the, at the votes, to make sure they vote the right way. And once we found that out, I mean, that is a serious strategy we use to get things done. But the overall strategy for us is very simple because uh, we want to prevent enforcement of the laws of war on U.S. soil, unless you're in the military, in which case you sign on the dotted line, you're not, you know, you're getting a court martial, you're not going to regular court. But if you're not in the military, the laws of war cannot be applied to you as the NDA allows them to. And uh, our goal is to prevent those from happening. I don't care if they cite the NDAA. I don't care if they cite the curvature of the earth. I don't care if they cite an executive order. I don't care what they cite, the actions cannot be used. And so we're not really worried about the text. Our main concern is the action. So we have a three-phase strategy when we go in in somewhere. We, first of all, pass a resolution that asserts that it is unconstitutional to use and reaffirms that it is unconstitutional and therefore unlawful to use these powers in that a city, and then we go to the police department. We have the police department put into official departmental policy that they will not allow the laws of war to be enforced in their city. This gets guns behind the resolution. And then, thirdly, we set up uh, or help the citizens set up a neighborhood watch in their area to keep an eye on the local government. 
and you want to scare the living daylights out of a local politician, you have 200 people show up on his doorstep wondering why he violated his oath. So while we can't prevent and nobody that we help can prevent indefinite detention, what we can do is we can make it as politically impossible and to the point of political suicide to try, give the order, or turn a blind eye to it. And that's how we'll stop it from happening. You won't be able to stop the special forces. You won't be able to stop highly trained military officers bursting down your door in the middle of the night. What you will be able to do is stop the politicians from ordering them to do so. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is what we focus on. That is the entire goal of this. And the longer we keep it in the spotlight, and the longer the more cities say enough, and the more counties say enough, and the more sheriffs say enough, and the more police chiefs say enough, the longer we keep this in the spotlight, then the less chance it can be used, the less chance it can be used to crush political dissent. And we won't have another Japanese-American 120,000 detention happen here in the United States, and we won't have another you know, picking up certain citizens like they did in the USSR and dragging them in for dissenting. Okay, Dan, well, listen, we're out of time. Thanks so much, listeners. My guest has been Dan Johnson, president and founder of Panda People Against the NDAA. Thanks so much again, Dan. Listeners, thanks for tuning in today. And until next week on the True Seekers radio show, God bless.